Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we'll discuss Paul Casey's European Open win and look ahead to a busy week of tour with the KLM Open, Greenbrier and Solheim Cup. Hey guys, it's Brooks Kepka. Uh, I just wanted to welcome you guys to the Golf Monthly Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name's Tom Clark and as ever I am joined by Elliot Heath. How are you doing Elliot? Hi Tom, good thanks. How are you? Yeah, all good. What's the goss? Um, did you play golf at the weekend? Yeah, I did. Come on. hear about it. Yes, that's why I've asked. It was uh, very emotional. Obviously, playoff five, I shot five over, so I shot 36 again. But I was five over after four holes. So I uh, had to battle there. Learned a lot about myself. Had to grind, dig deep, go through the emotions. Very unlike you. Uh, so you five yeah. over through four, and then you played the last 14 level par? Yeah. Well, actually, I was six over after six. All right. So. And, um, yeah, birdied nine, birdied 13 and 14, and then bogeyed 15 and 16. And uh, by that point, I kind of wanted to kill myself. And then uh, well, don't do that. birdied the last to shoot handicap. And what did that mean? Was it a comp? Yeah, it was second round of spring meeting. I haven't had the results yet, so I don't know where I am, but... You must be doing quite well. Level handicaps, probably top 10, I'd say. So you, so you battled back, you did, after a really bad start, you battled back really strongly, and then you threw it away at the end. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I felt like my game was similar to Chernobyl, if you've seen that, <laughs> that series recently. And yeah, I have. Them. It's about a nuclear disaster in uh, Soviet Union. Yeah, how like, on earth is that like your golf game? Like the real life events. So there's obviously there was something majorly, majorly wrong, and I just kept trying to do little bits to try and get it back. And uh, in this instance, the nuclear disaster did not happen. But at that time, I did so feel it like wasn't it was really like Chernobyl. Then was it? If there wasn't a nuclear incident, what would have been the nuclear incident in your game? Uh, would have been would have a- gone up point one, I guess. Oh, well, it's not that uh, bad, is it? No. I thought you would have like thrown your clubs into the lake or something. I did actually hit a club against my bag, which was bad, oh, and I swore in front of my dad. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. did you tell you? But what? then we had a nice beer afterwards on the patio Calm, and calmed it all down. But yeah, that, that was a very frustrating round. Well, yeah, it sounds quite entertaining. Yeah. Um, so did you stay up or did you get relegated? Yeah, so my cricket team, as you already know, Elliot, we stayed up. Hurrah. Yeah, so we had a good a good win on Saturday. I gritted out a very boring 16 not out to get us over the line. So, yeah, cricket speech. Nice. And my team, my the, the first level of my cricket club, Howardwood, uh, got promoted to the Premier League. So Premier League, you have not wow. half. So, uh, so how long does a cricket match take? Um, the ones that I play, the ones that I play, can last for seven hours, six and a half, seven hours. Crikey! Because yeah, I remember we have a break for tea in in, in that. Well, our I, game, strangely, our game on Saturday didn't. Our game on Saturday only lasted three hours, which meant that for the end of season party, that some of us were a little bit worse aware before the party had even started. So, um, um, but yeah. It was good. Good week all round. So that's of course it is, other than England, of course, losing the Ashes, which you don't care about. But so can you? Can you just have a quick nine in cricket? Uh, you can have a twenty holes? twenty game. Yeah, which is a shorter game. Is that common in the amateur club scene? Uh, reasonably, yeah. It started there really. So when you're a kid, that's the, the only games you really play at twenty twenties. So and there's a few of them in men's, but our Saturday games last for six, seven hours. So really, golf doesn't take that that long when you compare it to that yeah true and we don't get out of the clubhouse till midnight so you know <laughs> it's got to be done hasn't it anyway moving on to someone who had an, had a good weekend better than us it was Paul Casey who won his 14th European Tour title with a bogey free 66 on Sunday at the Porsche European Open um, the Englishman beat Matthias Schwab Bernd Ritthammer and Robert McIntyre by one uh, it's Casey's second win of the season and his 20th pro title. He's now up to 14th in the world. And that means that that Team GB, as they are, um, now have three men in the top 15 and they have three um, spots in the Olympic uh, golf tournament. As it stands at the moment, there's obviously an awful long way to go before that team is picked. 
Uh, and Paul Casey's now had pretty decent career, hasn't he, Elliot? Yeah, great career. Um, <laughs> what well, your voice, your voice there? there? Your voice just broke just in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> I'm glad that he's come back because he's only won three times on the PGA Tour in his career, but he's won two of those tournaments in the last two years. So clearly, at the age of 42 or 43, he's still playing as good as ever, if not his best golf. And yep. there's still some good stuff to come, I think. I think his highest world ranking, I think, is fourth? It's three. Three, oh, okay. Yeah. In 09? Yeah. So I that's... can't remember what he did in 09, but maybe he won the Houston Open and something else. Yeah, he was on, fi- he was on fire around that time. And that's also when suddenly he kind of... Uh, fell a little bit out of love with the game of golf. He had a he had a skiing accident or snowboarding yeah, accident, something like that, where he hurt his knee, which put him back for a good few years, I think. So uh, it's good to see him back playing really well because he's obviously an Englishman. It means it's great to have an Englishman doing well on on any of the tours, but also it means that he hopefully will also he will definitely, I'm sure, be in the Ryder Cup team for next year as well. So, uh, yeah, he's playing really, really decently, isn't he? Yeah, I said it a couple of weeks ago that I really am frustrated by him and want him to win majors, etc. And, uh, yeah, this was just great golf. And it's nice to see him win twice in a year, which he hasn't done on the European and PGA Tours in 10 years or something like that. So... Could it propel him onto more? I don't know. We've got a question about that later, which we might talk a bit more about. But yeah, what a great career he's had. So he's won $30 million on the PGA Tour, 22 million euros on the European Tour. Uh, that's a lot of money. That's incredible, isn't it? So he turned pro in 2000 off plus four after winning the English Amateur and he won all four matches at his Walker Cup in 1999, which was the first time I think that ever happened. Um, yeah, now 14 European Tour titles, three on the PGA Tour. And also, he was just fifth in the FedEx Cup, wasn't he? Which was his second fifth place in the FedEx Cup in the last four years. So, a very consistent player, a cash machine, can play either side of the pond as well, all over the world, and very he's, good right Yeah, he seems like too. he's in a good place, because I, I think I mentioned the podcast last week, maybe, that, uh, or whenever it was, at the Tour Championship, where his caddy accidentally gave him the wrong club. Yeah. And playing into the 18th and it meant that he went a bit long and left and now some golfers could have flown off the handle of, of that but actually they just laughed it off and he said you know it's one of those mistakes that happens I mean how many times does the caddy give him a club hundreds of hundreds of times if not thousands of times over a season and he just like you know just brushed it off and got on with it got on with his game so he seems just to be in a good place all round doesn't he yeah also it was very nice of him to dedicate that win to Gordon Brown Jr who sadly passed away a month ago or so um, it was his funeral this week as well so yeah. nice tributes for that yeah so on the subject of caddies he didn't have his caddy with him which I guess was a shame for that little partnership I don't know who was on the bag but there was no Johnny Longsocks this week and uh, we'll see if he comes back at Wentworth when Casey next plays because he's not playing this week and Casey does love Wentworth has had some success there as well so how many times has he won at Wentworth? twice? yeah There you go. I mean, I don't think he's he's. I don't know what his his success has been like since the redesign, but um, uh, yeah, there's no, there's no reason why he couldn't do well again there. Yeah, I remember he won the match play when it was 36 holes, and then he won in 09, and that was my first ever trip to Wentworth for the BMW PGA Championship. Well, memories. Yeah, I saw him hit a bunker shot on the third hole. I remember it to this day to like foot, and oh, it's incredible. Amazing what you remember. So, um, yeah, he's not around this week. Uh, and talking of actually, let's talk about bunkers because uh, we've got a tip now from uh, one of the world's very best bunker players in the form of Sergio Garcia, uh, just with a very quick tip on how to get the very best um, when playing from the sand and maybe getting it as close as Paul Casey did when you saw him in 2009. A bunker play for me, uh, something something that I think it's, it's very important, I've always considered very important, is to, to make sure that you you have speed through the ball. Uh, obviously when you're in, in, uh, in a bunker, it's important to hit, to cut sand, 
but if you have speed, you can get through the sand. Sometimes you see you see amateurs kind of stopping on the shot, and then the, the sand takes over, and you can't get the ball out. So uh, I think it's important to make sure you you, you have a nice explosion, and, you know, a little bit of sand, but more than anything, just make sure you keep the, that speed going through the shot. So there you go. There's Sergio Garcia hopefully helping you improve your bunker play. And Sergio plays this week at the 100th KLM Open with some other big names. Patrick Reed, Matt Wallace start in a strong field as they play at the International Golf Course uh, near Amsterdam. Uh, there's also others. Lee Westwood, Eugene Loughton, Thomas Peters, Marty Keimer, Patrick Harrington and loads of others. Um, and it is a very historic event, obviously the 100th playing. Um, winners, past winners include Roberto Di Vincenzo, Sevi Ballesteros, Bernard Langer, Jose Maria Lathbao, Payne Stewart and Colin Montgomery. Uh, last year it was won by Ashon Wu. Um, it's not a bad field this week, is it? Really good. The European Tour are benefiting from the PGA Tour ending early, uh, like we thought they would. And it's good to see that they are turning up for what is a very important year, and I guess, for the yeah, it's a yeah. historic event. It's one of those ones that's great to have in your CV if you won there, isn't it? I haven't actually done any research, but it's got to be one, oh, well, of, that's good to know. one of the oldest Opens. It's up there, isn't it? Yeah. Obviously, like, Canadian is one of the very oldest. South African, like this, the uh, Dutch one, must be up there. Uh, I don't know if KLM are paying any appearance fees to the likes of Reed or Garcia, but... I know a lot of those guys are over and wanting to play because it's their it's their big chance, isn't it, to 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 play in these events because of the way that the PJ Tour has has um, sort of changed its schedule around. So um, yeah, I mean, who who do you think is going to do well out of those guys that we mentioned? I will go for Matt Wallace. Mm -hmm. Reed was terrible. Who's last who's, week, who's wasn't caddying he? for Matt Wallace this week? We'll find out, won't we? We don't know yet, do we? No. So yeah, since Matt Wallace split with his uh, former caddy, um, he hasn't actually played, has he? I can remember. Oh, I've got a feeling he played in Switzerland to no avail. I think I think he did. But we don't know who he's the caddy. No, he had a long he had a, a holiday in St. Lucia and um <laughs> You stalking Matt Wallace. <laughs> no. <laughs> um yeah, well we'll see how how those guys do. So you think Matt Wallace is gonna do well? Yeah, Matt Wallace is gonna win. Um I think out of those ones that we mentioned, I think Lee Westwood's going to do quite well. I think he's done well there and done well in this Open in the past. Anyway, obviously not on this course because it's a new course. But well, yeah, uh, it's a tough one for you, isn't it, with a new course? Trying to, to do just, trying to do betting tips when they yeah it's the nightmare when I come to look at it it's like oh they're playing a different course I don't know anything about it they play a couple of senior events there so it was designed part designed by Ian Woosnam and Ian Woosnam actually won a senior event there and who else did I say won there Ross Drummond. Is that what I said? I can't remember. You I think that's that, what I said. Mate. So, but it's, that was actually quite a few. That was um, seven years ago. Um, and from the pictures, it looks all right. I think it's quite an open um, course, quite near the airport. So hopefully, they won't be too bothered by uh, airport new uh, airport airport noise, if I can say it. Um, from what is one of the busiest it looks airports, bang average to me. <laughs> well, where's my insane? All the great Heathland tracks that they have in Holland, and they're putting it on a. What looks like an open field next to the airport. I'm sure some of the green complexes I've seen look yeah, really. Sure they look really nice, they actually, and uh, I think it'd be. I think it'd be all right. I think it might help. I think Westwood, who's been driving it so well, he's just been playing so very solid, hasn't he, Westwood? So, yeah. um I think born it, again. Yeah, exactly. So I think he. I think he's eighteen to one. He's got a chance. And then there's others. I think someone, some of the South Africans might do well. So someone like Hayden Porteous, I think it's forty-five to one. He does spray it around a little bit. Um, so if there is a bit of space to um, to, to manoeuvre, then um, he might. Someone like him might do well. What about you, Slouten? What's what, his form what, what like? What about him? He's. I think he's playing solid. Get most he, of the support there, won't he? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And he, yeah, he's he's won there in the past, and um, he's he's always going to have a chance there. His odds are a little short for me, I think, from the way that he's been playing. So uh, also, you said Kymer's twelve to one. Yeah, which is ridiculous for a man who hasn't won a golf tournament in over five years. Uh, I think he is a little short. Yeah. Having said that, now he'll probably win. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it should be a really good. Um, um, weekend of golf on the European tour especially and um, um, yeah it's just going to be nice to have that on it's going to be it's, how much we're going to watch of it because 
it's going to be competing with the Solheim Cup, which we'll come on to later. Um, we'll wait and see. I'm really uh, loving the European Tour at the moment after the two or three week break we had around the Open Championship. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. And I really missed the European Tour golf yeah. in that, that spell. So, yeah, yeah I'd I, I, I agree with that. There's some great tournaments. We've got KLO, KLM this week. We've got uh, Wentworth the week after. And um, that's without before then going into the final series and all that malarkey at the end of the year. So, um, yeah, some really good things. But whilst the European Tour is looking to the end of the season, uh, the PJ Tour is looking to the start of the season, as it is the start of the 2019-2020 season this week with um, the Snappenly uh, titled A Military Tribute at the Greenbrier, which is going to be the first event of the PJ Tour. So uh, last year it was won by Kevin Nahr. The past winners also, Jean Choufle was won there the year before that. Not as many big names, you say, as the European Tour. This week, Shambo probably the biggest, um, but there's also Victor Hovland and Tom Lewis, fresh off his Corn Ferry Tour uh, finals win. So some, it's an opportunity for maybe some of the guys to get off to a really good start. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? So the purse in Holland is 1.8 million euros, and the purse here at the Greenbrier is 7.5 million dollars. So really, if you're a big player wanting to play this week, that is where you would play. Uh, albeit people do i guess change their schedules but i actually think the field is really good after watching the corn fairy tour finals last week i'm looking forward to seeing the new guys come up such yeah, as scotty scheffler who, i just wanted you to say scotty scheffler who uh, who won the tour in the regular season and the finals and then we've got victor hovland making his debut as a pj tour player and tom lewis as well i mean i was blown away by how well we played two weeks ago so I'm really excited to see. And Tom Lewis is Tom Lewis is mate. He's one to look out for uh, if you're looking for a tip to, to back. He's fifty to one this week, uh, which I feel slightly long from someone who's just won and is sixtieth in the world or whatever. He's sixty-six to one with other betting companies. Well, yes, as well. he's well, well, yeah, well, yes, he's around the fifty to one mark, and um, yeah, which you can probably you can always get better odds elsewhere, but. Um, yeah, he's he, you know for someone who's in the world's top sixty-five players or whatever it is, um, I think that's slightly longer. Also, there's other good, there's some big names in there which we haven't even really mentioned. Bubba Watson, if Bubba Watson was a couple of years ago was in this field, he'd be a very short price favourite. He's about twenty-five to one. Uh, also, Keegan Bradley, who's had quite a good last couple of months, he's thirty-five to one. So yeah, have we mentioned Bryson? We well, we we said he was playing. Yeah, um, I find it hard to tip Bryson at the moment just because. Of many things, but he mainly, did win ma- but mainly I don't think he's playing that well. He won at this time last year, I think. Well, obviously, he had that great playoff spell, which actually probably was this time last year. Yeah. And then he won in the full series, what it used to be called, at the Shriners. So maybe he's just one of those players that plays well at similar times of the year. Don't know. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll wait to find out. So, um, yeah, another you've got a full weekend of golf already with the uh, KLM and the Greenbrier, but then put on top of that the Solheim Cup, which is back this week, being played at Gun Eagles on the PJ Centenary course, Europe versus America, of course, and it should be a really well fought contest. Um, USA usually are the favourites for these events, but I know you think, Elliot, that Europe have a great chance of winning, don't they? Yeah. Have you looked at the odds for this? I haven't. No, I I would imagine Europe would be the... F- but then maybe not, because... I think they're, they're, they're quite closely matched teams, Yeah, they? basically, it's Europe's experience up against USA's world rankings. So, USA has 10 players in the world's top 50. Europe only has five. But then, Europe has 31 appearances in this event. USA only has 18 Half of the USA's team are rookies. So, and we've just had the news today that Stacey Lewis, who would be, uh, who was pretty much the most experienced player in that yeah. that team, um, is out injured yeah. with, a, with a bad back and has been replaced by Ali McDonald, who is a, will be a rookie. Yeah, never won on the tour either. Um, no, Christy Kerr, no Paula Creamer, no uh, Lindsay, no Michelle Wee, no. Um, Brittany Lang as well. So there's loads of players that are not playing that have a great deal of experience for that US side. And they're away from home. And I think the European team is brilliant. Like, we've got three rookies on there. 
Bronte Laws won on the LPGA Tour already. Celine Boutier won on the LPGA Tour already this season. Anne Van Dam is just... Got the most amazing swing. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, uh, 23 year old. She's won loads on the LET. And then we've got just so many players that have played already. We've got Georgia Hall, Charlie Hull. Charlie Hull, who's played so well in Solheim Cups in the past. This is her fourth Solheim Cup and she's only 23. Yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, Charlotta Saganda is our top rated player at 13th in the world. Lexi is the USA's top rated player at third in the world. So, And if you look at the captains, Katrina Matthew obviously uh, is the European captain. She's obviously Scottish. She's playing in Scotland. Um, they're going to be pumped up for it. And I wouldn't be surprised if the crowds are quite quite boisterous almost at Glen Eagles. Obviously where Europe won the Ryder Cup in 2014. Yeah, have you ever been to Glen Eagles? I have not. Nice. It looks gorgeous. Yeah, it's spectacular. Obviously, it's a bit of a trek to get up there, but it's. I think it'd be well worth it. So if you are in that part of the world, go and have a look. Yeah, I was saying that as well. Um, the USA have won the last two Solheim Cups, so maybe they would be the yeah, favourites. but they've both been very close. And if you remember last time, um, they were well behind and they came back in the singles. That was 2015. That was after... Um, the Gimme Gate, wasn't it? Gimme so Gate. Was that 2015? I, I, the time's just flying by at the moment. Yeah, so last time out, Europe lost by six in Des Moines. Is that how you say it? Des Moines? I, I don't know. You're, you're the one saying it. And then uh, <laughs> four years ago in Germany, that was when uh, Suzanne Pedersen made Alison Lee cry, basically, and then everyone cried. And we do have... Uh, this is one thing I was going to say. We have had, over the time, we were watching a, a video earlier about um, some rules issues that have happened in in past Solheim Cups and they do seem to have quite a lot of rules issues in the Solheim Cup and I do hope that that's it doesn't mar it again this year uh, gimmies seem to be not given or given or all the time we've had chippings replayed we've had all kinds of things and I just hope that both the teams behave themselves and um, don't expect to be given gimmies and also are quite clear in whether they're giving them or not. Yeah, there's because I, th- I, th- I think it harms the game of golf and the women's game if there's co- these continued rules incidents. There's definitely more needle in the Solheim Cup than there is in the Ryder Cup. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, you're probably right there. I don't know whether both the teams get on well that well. I don't know. I, I could know, be completely speaking out of turn here. Maybe they just don't play as much golf with each other. I don't. That's know. true. Actually, that might be it. Well, I think the European and American Ryder Cup teams are—they just—they see each other almost every week, don't they? they yeah. And um, yeah, I just hope that it's a it's a good because I do remember well, there's some fantastic Sundays when when they won in Ireland. When was that? That was 2011. Yeah. And that Killing was a, Castle. that was a brilliant. That went right down to the last couple of a couple of singles matches, and that was a fantastic event to watch. So um, it's a really good, you know, it's that chance to. It's not the Ryder Cup. And we all love the Ryder Cup, but the Solheim Cup stands alone as a very good sporting event and uh, a very high quality event. So um, what a fantastic weekend of golf we've got on. I know. Obviously, it's on. It's live on Sky. You were telling me earlier, it's also a Sky Sports mix, so if you haven't got a Sky Sports package, you can. If you've just got the entertainment package, you can watch it. And also, the BBC have highlights every day as well. Um, and I'm sure it's being covered on there on Five Live and, and, and as well on the radio. So um, there's loads of golf going to be around, so hopefully there'll be loads of headlines. Yeah, and then another massive week next week at Wentworth... Uh, we'll be there, won't we, Tom? Yes, you're going to be there for the whole week, aren't you? I believe so. Yeah, <laughs> if they let you in. Um, yeah, we. Well, yeah, we absolutely can't wait to see that. Wentworth should be looking spectacular. Um, the weather looks pretty good, actually. So after a little bit of cold snap this week, it looks like it's going to warm up going into next week. So um, that would be even better. Nice. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. So uh, should be really good, really good, shouldn't it? And who, who's the person? If you had to go and interview one player next week, who would that be? I'm not going to say who you think I'm going to say. <laughs> who, do, um, who do you think I'm going to say? Scott Hend. I've, I'd, <laughs> I'd love to get Scott Hend on the podcast. Get him on there. Hunt um, him down. Yeah, I'm going to try. And then closely followed by Victor Hovland, <laughs> who is making his debut on the European Tour next week. And why are you excited about that? Because, uh, funnily enough, next week is the start of the 2020 Ryder Cup qualification for Team Europe. And Victor Hovland is playing on the European tour so perhaps he's going to join 
He was quoted by Reuters in August saying he will think about the Ryder Cup once he's got a place to play. And he's yeah. now got a place to play and on he's the PGA na- yeah, He's tour. nailed that down now, hasn't he? So, yeah, I can easily see him make that team if he wants to, which I think he probably will, because he was saying his management... You say he, he can easily make that team if he wants to. You're thinking about all the players he's got to... Yeah, he's the Norwegian John Rahm. He's the Norwegian John Rahm. You think John Rahm turned pro in 2016 after winning the silver medal at the US Open and then made the Ryder Cup team the next time around. That's a hell of a thing. Cause I, think I mean, John Rahm has won how many times since then? Probably six or seven. Yeah, he's now in the world's top ten. I mean, it's a hell of a thing. It'd be amazing if he does does come through. As we've already said, we've already got three Englishmen in the world's top 15. That's not including Rory. That's not including Rahm. That's not including... Someone else I can't think of. Who am I, who am I forgetting? Uh, Francesco Molinari. Francesco Molinari. How have I forgotten him? It's not for thinking about Shane Lowry, Sergio Garcia. There's there's loads and loads of great European players around there at the moment. There's some people I'm forgetting as well, obviously as well. So um, it's a it's an awfully tough team to get into. Henrik Stenson, I haven't even mentioned Henrik Stenson. Yeah, I'm very interested to watch Tom Lewis as well. Like I just said, I wonder if he'll play next week. As well at BMW, yeah. I wonder if he's going to give it a little go on the PJ tour now he's had his yeah. chance. I wouldn't be surprised. I would, because it's he's suddenly got this chance, and this is the time where he knows he can probably get some. He's guaranteed he's going to be in the field as well. Um, I'd probably give it a go in America, because if you if you have one good week in America, then you're set up for the season. You're going to help with your world rankings. Going to help with your getting into the majors, WGCs and all that. So, amazing opportunity f- suddenly appeared for Tom Lewis, which he didn't think was, he was going to have a couple of weeks ago. So I know. Yeah, there's a lot going on in golf at the moment. It's uh, very exciting. Indeed. Indeed there is. Um, and one of the guys that we spoke about uh, just now was Sergio Garcia. And we've got lots of tips with him, as you would have noticed over the last um, few um, podcasts and this one's a really important one strategy out on the golf course so listen to a Masters winner about his strategy on the golf course sometimes the amateurs they look at us you know hitting shots out of the trees and things like that and, and they think that uh, you know that those shots are easy so I think at the end of the day it's, it's important to to realize your limitations and uh, and sometimes it's better to just chip out and you know and say well you know let's make a bogey and whatever than trying to hit a you know, a cavalier shot and you hit the trees, it goes back in there, then you, you're trying to get it out, you can't get it out and you end up making a, a double or a triple. So sometimes, unless it's, it's a shot that you can really see and, and it's, it is a fairly easy shot, um, you know, sometimes it's better to take your medicine, uh, maybe chip out, try to get on the green, maybe make par or maybe make bogey at the, at the worst and, and kind of move on. So some great strategy um, from Sergio there. I always would tell this story that when I went to Augusta, I did see Sergio do the worst strategy ever. <laughs> yeah. I saw when he took 15 or whatever, 13 on 15? 13 on the 15th, yeah. And I hit, saw him hitting the water several times. So um, at that time, you know, it's all very well having a strategy out on the golf course, isn't it? But it's actually when it comes down to it, do you actually do the shot that you know you should do or do you just let your heart take take over and you go for the uh, the one in... One in a thousand shot. What, yeah. do, what do you do, Elliot? Do you chip out sideways or do you go for the, the small gap between the, th- the four trees? Well, funny enough, I had a chance. Well, I had this situation at the weekend on 15, coming off of back-to-back birdies, sliced it into the trees on the right, had a shot. Actually, I didn't have a shot at the green, but I went for it when I shouldn't have. Uh, and I got lucky. I topped it through the gap. I was <laughs> I was aiming... It's, um, it's tricky, isn't it? Because you know yeah, you have tricky. this strategy. It depends how much you play golf, I think, as well. Because if you play, you play quite a lot. You play every every Saturday. You're playing in tournaments and stuff like that. But if you're if you're just a social golfer like myself, who only plays, you know, a few rounds of golf, sometimes you just go. I'm just going to go for it. I don't really. I'm not too worried about the, the strategy here. I'm just going to go for it, and it comes off and absolutely superb. But but then sometimes you'll enjoy yourself more if you just chip it out true I know that is true and then you get up and down and you go oh yeah that's perfect why don't yeah. I do that all the time so uh, that's tricky so, right now we're going to move on to social media questions Elliot Heath have we got some social media questions yeah we had a few this week uh, a lot of them were ma- how, did they, how did people send in a question Elliot 
Oh, they follow us on Facebook at Golf Monthly Magazine and Twitter at Golf Monthly. Uh, so we had a lot... Oh, Instagram, isn't it? Instagram We're on Golf Instagram Monthly as well. As well. Yeah. Uh, so we had a lot of Matt Kuchar-related questions this ah, week. and um, They were quite offensive, so we probably shouldn't read them out on the podcast. But, yeah, so... So there was... A, if people hadn't seen the video... Um, Matt Kuchar was seen it looked like he was just making um, he was just getting rid of all the sand and everything around his ball in a bunker now the video l- makes it look like he's um, just blatantly moving uh, you know just breaking the rules but what people need to understand is that he wasn't in a bunker was he he was in a waste bunker correct and uh, because you can um, remove any loose impediments now he was just being told you could move as much as he wanted, and that was more or less every grain of sand, wasn't it? Yeah, apparently it was a local rule as well that it was crushed marble or something. He made it, yeah, it, it looked worse than it was, I think. But I, um, so, do we have a do we have a question about it specifically, or? Um, no, they're all actually they're all quite offensive to Matt Kuchar. Oh, here we go. Uh, Martin Lofters, nineteen fifty nine, Lofty on Twitter. How many loose impediments can you reasonably move in a bunker? And does grains of sand qualify as a loose impediment? Okay, so he wasn't actually in a bunker. So yeah, that's the thing. He was in he was in a waste bunker, which is classed differently. And, and as you say, it was a local rule as well. And this was one of the things where actually he was using the rules to his advantage. I think the one thing I say about this is it is an obviously a time element on this as well. If you're going to spend hours or as you know minutes and minutes and minutes moving, that that's taking too long, and then you should be penalised. And I don't think he did take that long on it he obviously did improve his lie on it but then he was that was in within the rules wasn't it yeah I mean I'm I'm really not a Matt Kuchar fan anymore not, not that I ever really you was, haven't ever mentioned but, this before um, I think he was hard done by it on this situation yeah he's, he's unfortunately uh, had issues in the past and that's why people are, are so quick to jump on, on him uh, so a question from Ray Smith who is a top fan on Facebook Hi, says Ray. Uh, keeping with the bunker theme should bunkers be true hazards as in the type that amateurs play from or should all courses be perfectly raked with perfect sand I think that they should be perfectly raked with perfect sand I get that they're a hazard but they're still hard to play out of when you perfectly rake them yeah I mean this is this is this is something that gets my goat up, to be honest with you. Should fairways, all fairways, be perfectly mown fairways? Should every divot be filled in? It's, it's the luck of golf, isn't it? If you're going to hit it into a bunker and you might not get a, a perfectly good lie, then that's your issue. You, you're the one who hit it into the bunker. Um, yeah, Ray. It's I also, it, it sounds like Ray has had an issue where he's hit. he's been in with a shot shout of winning something and he's hit it in the bunker and he's had a bad lie now people should always rake the bunkers when leaving them and there's there's a couple of videos of, of some new uh, bunker rakes and stuff like that being uh, tested on some golf courses and being used on some golf courses but it's 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 a natural thing it's it's, it's out there it is wildlife about you could get a uh, you could get a squirrel running through a bunker and leaving some footprints or a duck or something like that and suddenly your ball will end up in a bad lie because of that it's just the way it is isn't it yeah i think as soon as you start hitting your ball into footprints in a bunker it gets ridiculous and unfair yeah and uh, that that is unfair but they're not supposed to be footprints in a bunker is there no you know there's that's supposed to be they're supposed to be raked and stuff like that and some people unfortunately don't rake bunkers do they because they're lazy but um yeah the biggest issue if you're hitting it into a bunker you've got a bad lie don't hit it into a bunker yep uh, Andrew Ashley on Facebook Hello, who has a picture that I really do not like Tottenham shirt it's of a certain badge of a football club Tottenham in Tottenham. North London um, whatever's happened to Fleetwood and Co's form surely not a Ryder Cup hangover or I always ask two questions. Is Shane Lowry ever playing golf again? Well, yeah, Shane Lowry's playing next week and he's already played since yeah. the Open. Um, Fleetwood and Co's form since the Ryder Cup? I don't think... Fleetwood's been playing really well. He just hasn't won. Yeah. He's in the world's top 15. If he was playing badly, um, he wouldn't be in the world's top 15. Molinari... I think th- this is one... Because of the... Because of this, the, uh, the... The schedule's got so tight, people think that, oh, that... You know, oh, hang on a minute. Shane Lowry's not played for... A month. I wouldn't have played for a month. I just won the Open. He's probably absolutely shattered. Um, he's, he's won his career-defining devi- event. 
And the same with Fleetwood. Actually, did Fleetwood play that badly? No, he was in the final group uh, at the Open. He finished second at the Open. Um, he's been playing really well. He just hasn't won, but he hasn't won over a four-month period where people have been watching the golf because all the majors have been on. I wouldn't be surprised if Fleetwood has a very good end to the into the year yeah uh, McElroy's done alright since the Ryder Cup hasn't he uh, Rose oh he's done, oh, done alright yeah, yeah Rose, he's done alright how many, how many millions has he won 24 or something <laughs> uh, yeah so Rose how many times was he won number one um, somebody who perhaps we shouldn't really talk about but who has, has really fallen off the pace since the Ryder Cup is Torbjorn Ollison in the golf terms he had a fantastic year to qualify and it just really hasn't happened for him on the golf course this year which I'm quite s- sad about well, there's other like Ollison's not had a great year on or off the heat course. No, certainly. Uh, Norren hasn't had the best yeah, year so one. far, but there's still time to, you know, to come back. And also, Norren's kind of been flittering on and off the PJ Tour as well. Um, but there's always happens. Remember, we are in a period of. There's American only twelve dominance. golf. There's twelve golfers in the world. They can't all play well all the all the time, and they've got a. Whole, They've got another year to do really well. This is the year. Sometimes the the year off from a Ryder Cup, players do fill about with their game because they think this is the chance where if I am going to change around, I'll do it this year because it's a Ryder Cup year next year and I want to make sure I'm in the team. Um, but then there's other people who play much better. Poulter had a fantastic year. Yeah, uh, it's been a sad, sorry, um, sad, a slow year for one of your favourites, Tilra Hatton. Yeah, Hatton, hasn't quite done it, has he? No, he he he's had a poor year, um, but we've got we're a year away from from the right next Ryder Cup, and that's why I say you know you can have a bad year after, a, and then you think about all the emotion and how much they had to had to do to get into the team. Matt Wallace won how many times and didn't make it onto the team, so um, those guys got a great chance, you know, to reset from from now. Um, with a year, are you saying the qualifying opens next week? At next Wentworth? week, yeah. Boom. That's what that will be. Suddenly on people's, that will be a day circle in their diary. Right, there we go. We start again from here. Um, and yeah, there's lots of big big events coming up. Lots of money to be won. Lots of world ranking points to be won. So um, I don't think the European team are in bad shape at all. Especially if Victor Hovland's going to win four majors next year, like <laughs> as you think he is. Yeah, I think Matt Wallace is going to be a brilliant player next year as well. So who are the rookies to look out for next year's Ryder Cup? Let's use our crystal ball. Matt Wallace, possibly Hovland. Uh, yeah, what other ones? They're the two big ones that we can think uh, Shane Lowry. Yeah. Lowry's got to be in He it. has, hasn't he? I know he always plays well on the odd number of years, <laughs> yeah. but you would like Surely. to think that he can make that team. So that's three. Do we want more than three? Maybe don't want more. Uh, Robert McIntyre from Scotland's looking yeah. very good. Nobody from Wales, I don't think, at the moment. Any Spaniards? Adrian else? I think there he's quite a way off at the moment, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, oh, he is at the moment, but he's, a, he's had a, a meteoric rise. He hasn't won yet on tour. No. So, uh, no, I think there's a few few guys out there. Lucas Bugard. Yeah, not impossible. Possibly. So uh, no, I think this. You only want three or four, but that's the. I think the joy of the European team is actually they've got a lot of experience in there. And you look back at that Ryder Cup when they had six rookies or whatever it was, and you look back in hindsight and go, oh, well, it was always going to be really hard to win that one. But actually now all those guys have have had their rookies. You know, people who weren't in the team last year that I can think of, Matt Fitzpatrick. He's going to be knocking on the door. Rafa Cabrera Bello again. He'll be knocking on the door. They've already got. Ryder Cup experience uh, under their belt so uh, um, yeah I'm very excited about the Ryder Cup already as you can probably hear yeah can't wait um, where's it being played again Elliot? Whistling Straits oh that'd be boring Harrington will be a great captain oh, it's going to be fantastic isn't it Steve Stricker as well captaining the side in his home uh, state. state of Wisconsin uh, right moving on a quick one, Chris Gerton, who says, "Is the quiz coming back?" Now, <laughs> I knew you were going to put that. Well, if just to officially say that that the quiz has been canned because um, Sam can't be trusted to make any questions. Elliot was winning too many and cheating, um, so not at the moment. We might do a special quiz, maybe at Christmas or something like that. Yeah, uh, Anthony Lander on Facebook is Paul Casey the new Monty. Will he ever win a major? 
It's Paul Casey, the new Monty. Well, I think there's a few other people who haven't won majors ahead of that. Look at Westwood, for example. As well, Casey hasn't won eight European Order of Merits like Monty did. Uh, I think... Casey could, no win, Casey could win a major. We looked at this earlier. Uh, he's at, his best finish ever was at third at the 2010 Open at St Andrews, who was second that year. I've already said this to you. And he was fourth at... It was West, so that was loose Hazen running away with it, and then second was Westwood and third was Casey. Uh, Casey was in with a shout. I think he was in the final group. Um, I remember him hitting it into a bush on the yeah. drivable ninth at yeah, St Andrews. Exactly. And, that, and that was where it was all finished, really. But Westwood played well. I mean, Westwood was was the top ten at every major that period of time so um, there's a few guys who haven't won a major yet Ricky Fowler hasn't won a major he's supposed to have won a major by now he hasn't done it Westwich should have won one he hasn't uh, Casey who else who are the best players never to have won a major so far Ram Ram Hideki um, if we're looking at the over 40s and over 50s Steve Stricker Luke Donald uh, Ian Poulter yeah and there's probably a few others on and there. then more the active guy Brandon Grace yeah so I mean but the thing with Casey is he's He's pushing. So I know all the majors are gone for this year, which is obviously a shame. He's going to have to wait till uh, April and uh, Georgia um, for, for for the next chance to win a major. But and whether his form will be as good as that, who knows? But um, he'll he'll be he'll still be in the top twenty in the world. I have no doubt at that time. Oh uh, yeah, it's it's very strange because he's such an amazing player, but he just. Maybe it's a confidence issue. He just maybe doesn't seem and to maybe sometimes timing. Maybe it's it. a bit of luck. Maybe you just have to be the hope that some of the other guys aren't absolutely firing on all cylinders. Which there's usually one guy firing on all cylinders, and if you know if it's DJ or Kupka or Rory, it's very hard to beat those guys, isn't it? So um, perhaps he should go work with Dave Allred or a really good performance I th- I coach. I think he's playing very well at the moment. I don't think he change anything. Yeah, but he's not going to win a major, though, is he? What? Why well, he could do? Why not? Uh, he's, well, he's 14th in the world or whatever it is. If he, he's going, he's he's won on the PJ Tour this year. He's finished second on the PJ Tour this year at Pebble Beach. He's won on the European Tour this year. There's no, there's absolutely no reason why he couldn't win a major. No, I can't see it. As a massive Paul Casey fan, uh, but look win, how Francesco Molinari turned himself around. He he needs to do something like that and just find that extra gear, find that confidence. Because he's he's got let's give, everything. Let's give him three months. See where he is at the at the end in Dubai, at the end of the European Tour season, and let's see how good a season he had. Because he could be right up there. Yeah, uh, here's one that you'll probably like, Tom, from TPDGT4. Hello on Twitter. I don't know what that stands for. Okay, let's try not to not um, to work it out unless it means something rude. He says, "Is the ultimate golf society one that strikes the perfect balance between mediocre golf and professional drinking?" Um, yes, the perfect golf society. Well, is it is it talking about golf society or a golf breakaway society? Oh yeah. So you well, a member of a society? Uh, well, kind of an unofficial one from the with the cricket club, which we've got our golf weekend away uh, uh, a weeks a week Friday. And um, that we're going to uh, Norfolk this year, Barnum Broom. We've been around all over the place. And it's all about, do you know what it is? It's about not worrying too much about the golf. You want to do well at the golf, but you don't want to be the person who, you don't want to have too many people who are hitting the driving range on the Saturday morning, having had a heavy evening the night before, or or refusing to have a heavy evening because they want to play golf the ne- well the next day, just go there and enjoy it with your mates. That's the best best golf society is a good group of people um, who you can just have a good laugh with. And the golf is really a secondary thing. And if you play well, then great. Um, there's nothing worse than people moaning about their handicaps as soon as they get there, or you know just always hitting the range or moaning afterwards you know it's always good to have a, a debrief afterwards and say oh I was really unlucky here you know just as every golfer does but the whole point is to have a laugh and you need to go out afterwards and enjoy yourself don't you so yeah I think you're right there um, I think the ultimate golf society is one that strikes the perfect balance between mediocre golf and professional drinking yeah mediocre golf is I think sometimes mediocre golf is some people wish they could play mediocre, mediocre golf so I'm playing in our golf society. We have a very odd handicap system, and I think the we have the highest handicap someone 
off 36 and the lowest is someone off 12 Right. But that's just because of our dodgy handicap system. So you're probably the definition of a mediocre golfer, aren't you? I'm, would you say? I would say I'm a very mediocre golfer, I'd and prob- I'm ha- I'm I'm happy to be a mediocre golfer because I don't play enough golf. If you were a club, you'd be a 24 handicap. I'd say. I think basically, I'd, Tom. I'd, 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 sorry, Elliot. I'd completely disagree with that. That's rubbish. <laughs> well, so, Tom. Everybody. If I, if claims I, that he plays of eighteen, <laughs> but I've never known him to get above twenty-five. I'm, so I'm the, I'm the I'm the opposite to a bandit. You say exactly. Okay. Okay. I like, well, I know I can play uh, to six, sixteen actually, but, uh, uh, <laughs> but that's but that's. You call him for a handicap cut? No, not at all. I think I'm happy. Eighteen's nice because it's easy for, math, for maths as well, isn't it? So uh, uh, I'm, I'm happy to be. I'm happy to go and play a nice sociable round of golf. Try and play reasonably well. Every every now and then, out, hold an outrageous shot, and um, then go and have a nice pint off. When was the last time you played to eighteen? In all seriousness, uh, this year. I played eighteen. Really? Yeah. When? Not with not with you, with uh, with with friends, friends. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's why I think you don't. Yeah, you talk rubbish. Also, I don't think you really know who like people who are twenty four handicappers. That's the thing because you're 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 a good golfer, plays a five. I think you lose the kind of understanding. Of who a twenty-four handicapper? Who is that person who's a twenty-four handicap or twenty-eight handicap? I think that's and you. they're very beginners. If you think about that, they're, they're guys who are very much at the start. No, twenty-four is a good handicap. Yeah, but they're you're still like you're a good player. Yeah, you can well, hit the ball far. You were twenty-four. Yeah, but a twenty-four handicapper is someone who um, probably has just picked up the game or something like that, or doesn't play very often. So. Um, I I think I'm better than a twenty-four handicap. Not 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 that I have to actually uh, even um. Yeah, even okay, fight so about it. How many rounds of golf are you playing? Do you playing? know what, Ellie? If you want, we can test this out if you want. Yeah, I think we should. There's only one way to test it out, and that is for um, you to give me 19 shots. Yeah. So, how many rounds are you playing this weekend? Give me a shot. Give me a shot. What you're telling me is that you you are at least a shot a hole better than me. So you know we could we can we could do, there's only one way to. to you know, to sort it out, we need to have a match, don't we? We have to have the match. Yes, the match. Yeah, where should we go? Should we go to Vegas? Uh, nah, should we just go down the road somewhere? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, so you're you're worried now, aren't you? I want to see your you're, scores see you. from this weekend coming up. Okay, you and, can do. Uh, I will try and ask. So you we for have them. we have a we have a we have a. A t- it's our Ryder Cup weekend away so it's, there's two teams I'm the captain of one team my brother's the captain of the other team there's uh, 24 of us I think um, and yeah we just play we play all kinds of different oh so you don't play of, stroke play yeah we do we, we, the, on the first day we have a four ball match uh, yeah four ball match play so two t- two four balls against each other playing match play but then you also keep your Staple for score, so we have an individual competition right. of that. Which I know it's before anyone says, "Oh, that's illegal in the game rules of golf or whatever." Yeah, get over it. Um, yeah, so we do that, and then we do a bit of Texas scramble match play on Saturday, which is great fun. It's always the best day because everyone comes in thinking they're really good golfers. Go, yeah. oh, we only shot two. We were two under. Well, okay, well you weren't, were you? Because you're playing with your partner. But um, and that's good fun. And then we have singles on the Sunday. Great, great fun. Good laugh. Right, so I would like you to shoot no worse than thirty points this weekend. So one or it's two. Not, of first, it's not this weekend. It's the week. It's it's a week Friday. Oh, is it? Yes, a week Friday. Yeah. Oh, so we'll find out in a couple of weeks. Then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and I'm not here for the podcast next week because I am away at Monday, Tuesday. So you're going to do a special podcast next week from Wentworth, aren't you, Elliot? I'm putting you on the spot here. Yeah, myself and Sam Tremlett will be at the famed Burma Road next week uh, wandering the Virginia Water Fairways and uh, yeah just chatting about the week basically. yeah try and get uh, yeah and Elliot's going to go and try and hunt down as many tour pros to to feature on the podcast as we can get so who are you going to definitely get Scott End well yeah you Victor Hovland that's under a bit of pressure <laughs> there, <laughs> but, you know we'll see <laughs> so you get but yeah there should be lots of people out there and um, yeah a couple of couple of minutes with each one that should do do well no yeah. quiz, though. No quiz. No. Have we got any more questions or are we going to move on? Uh, we do have another question, yeah, from Lloyd Pinder, FloydyP73 on Twitter, who's um, who's sworn, but 
I can bleep that out. Can we please leave golf the beep alone debate? Can we Perhaps this is after last week. Please leave it alone? What does he mean, leave it alone? I think he means keep golf as it is and stop... Stop trying to muck trying, out of it. Yeah. yeah, so saying actually, what's wrong with golf? And I think that's a fair point. Because actually there's a lot, an awful lot of people who do play golf. There are things fundamentally wrong with lots of sports. Um, and golf... Well, golf... There's lots of people who talk about it and lots of people have issues with this, that, and that's why I get chatted about so much. But I'm kind of with him that I just like play, going and playing 18 holes and enjoying it. As I said already with my mates, having a nice social round. I don't play that often. Is, is, it, that, is it that bad? No, you know, obviously golf is brilliant, but as with ev- everything in life and every sport, you want to try and make it bigger and make as much Sometimes money better. from it as possible. Yeah. It's usually that the, the issues in any sport are usually down to a very small percentage of people. And um, the slow play issues that we've chatted about, that is maybe only affects really a small percentage of people. Maybe more than we more than we know. But um, yeah, golf's a great sport. That's why we chat about it. We talk rubbish every week for an hour or so, don't we? Yeah, we do. Indeed. Um, yeah, I, Lloyd, I think you're right there. We've had a lot of a lot of ideas and th- things going on that perhaps aren't working like, well, they are working. Like and not, and golf so on the back of that, we've had some we've had some formats. positive chats, haven't we? We're talking about societies and enjoying, you know, being with your friends and stuff like that. What, does, what? Why does he not want golf to be changed? Let us know. What is the best thing about golf? What's the thing that, you, if it ever changed, you'd stop playing golf? You know, the things that you love about it. Is it the camaraderie? Is it the debates in the bar afterwards? Is it just the feeling of being out there in nature, wandering around and enjoying yourself for a a few hours? What's the best thing about golf? Let us know on social media. And, uh, yeah, we can chat about it in the near future, can't we? Yes. Good. Is it going to Wentworth and enjoying yourself? Which is where... Elliot will be next week. Um, so it is the BMW PJ Championship. Elliot will be there with Sam uh, chatting on the podcast. Hopefully the weather's going to be good. It looks like it's going to be good. So that should be fantastic. As ever, thanks for listening. Make sure you rate and review us if you listen on your iTunes and subscribe to us via your usual podcast provider. And again, of course, follow us on Facebook at Golf Monthly Magazine and Twitter and Instagram at Golf Monthly. Elliot. Have a fantastic week next week. Yeah, I'll see you I will weeks. be there on Wednesday, making sure, sure that you've been doing some work. Yeah, I look forward to and the program day. I'm looking, games. really looking forward to listening to the podcast and all the hundreds of people that you managed to get interviewed with. Putting us under pressure again, <laughs> there, aren't you? I am, I am. As ever, thank you, listeners. I will speak to you in a couple of weeks' time, and thanks for listening. Bye.